Welcome into the Cover 4 Podcast. I'm Bryson Wright, and I'm here with Grant Mitchell and Chris Clark. And the NBA season is finally underway, and we had a pretty good week of games. But before we really get into all, like, what our favorite games of the week were, we're going to talk about who are the most surprising teams and surprising players that we've seen so far this year. Uh, For the Eastern Conference, I'm going with the Bulls as my surprise team. I thought they were going to be good, but the fact that they're 4-0 right now has really surprised me. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has looked great. Lonzo Ball has looked great. Caruso has looked great. Vucevic looks great. And it's like when you you look at them on paper, I knew they were going to be a good team, but I wasn't expecting such a quick start. I thought maybe they were going to take some time to kind of learn how to play together, but it seems like the chemistry is already there. It really does. And again, I was very, very harsh on uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, but that's clearly turned out to be a slam dunk. <laughs> I had to do that. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I thought of that on the drive Never over. Never apologize for the Kawhi laugh. Never. <laughs> uh, but DeMar DeRozan, I mean, he's really, really surprising. He's averaging, what, 23 a game, and uh, he's just a commanding presence on the court. You know, Lonzo, uh, he's averaging right around where he was last year with numbers. Uh, uh, Zach Levine looking really strong on the court and then Vucevic is filling in that paint so well Uh, Bryce and I were talking about this uh, off air yesterday but Vucevic is one of those players that has been underrated for his entire career you know he carried the magic on his back to the postseason for a number of years and even though they got knocked out early every time he was able to show that he can pass the ball he can rebound it and of course he's a great scorer uh, and while he can't, you know, handle the ball quite as well as Jokic, he's one of those big men that just can do everything. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm very happy personally seeing it for Demar Derozan and seeing it for the Bulls. Right? I mean, the Bulls off to their best start since they had a guy, some guy named Michael Jordan playing with them. Oh, so he, yeah, it's, it's Michael bit, Jordan. One, uh, I don't know if I know about. Isn't him. it Larry? Larry Jordan? Uh, <laughs> it, it's around that realm. Something. Yeah, yeah I'm, I apologize yeah. if I had the name incorrect on there. Yeah, it's been like two and a half decades, but you know, great start for the Bulls, man. What four and zero? And as we were just talking about prior to the cast, uh, you know, if you had the Knicks and the Bulls at the first two top spots, uh, four games into the season. Well, buddy, I, I hope you put some money down on that because that that is absolutely shocking for me to see right now. And I, again, I'm just so happy for for Demar because for him to not only rebound in what's happened to him in the past few years, right, the Kawhi trade, mm-hmm. uh, everything he went through in San Antonio, which was a lot of positives, but certainly still had its negatives with playing with a team that just was not capable of of, of actually competing. Great to see for them. So uh, great to see him also beat his former team in the Raptors the other day to get to four zero. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, You know, I've always been a huge fan of DeMar DeRozan's game. Uh, I like the way that he gets to the mid-range because I feel like a lot of guys are kind of going away from it, but you see some of the superstars like Kevin Durant and Chris Paul still get to it, and I think it's a very viable way to score even in today's NBA with all the extra spacing. But uh, just the team in general has looked amazing, especially on defense too. Uh, Caruso, you know, he's not a guy who's going to go out and score 20 points, but he's a stat sheet stuffer. He's getting blocks. He's getting steals. He's getting assists. And this team looks really good. I mean, I know I I think I had them on the outside looking in of my top four in the East, but I was thinking they were probably going to be around the five seed. But what I've seen so far, I wouldn't be surprised if they move into the top four, even top three. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I saw a post where they were saying, uh, you know, 
Alex Caruso a lot more affordable option than uh, 40 whatever million dollar Russell Westbrook. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, yeah, I mean, you know, Russ is struggling this season. And, of course, he just had that 33-point game last night, which is great. But I I don't know why the Lakers let Caruso go because if you have an underpowered point guard that can facilitate the ball, you can add so many other pieces to the team. And we're already seeing the Lakers starting to struggle with injuries to their ancient roster, you know, that's already taking like osteo biflex. Uh, so they're just, they're, it's, 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 it's a rough start for the Lakers from a health standpoint. And with Caruso already, like you said, Bryson, being a, a stat sheet stuffer with the Bulls and Westbrook struggling in albeit one game, I, I, I think the Bulls are just, I mean, they're making the most savvy moves right now. I mean, this, this team for the, for a while, wasn't seeming to get their feet under them in terms of draft picks. You know, uh, I, I, they, they had a horrible era after the after the, the the Jordan Bulls. They just couldn't win. Then you get Derrick Rose, and it looks like they're going to ascend again to new heights. And then they just crash again after everything happens with Derrick Rose and injuries and so on and so forth. And the team naturally just decays. But now, after living in the the basement of the East, and they've ascended again to the top, like it's the the late nineties. I mean, this is just this is great effort from that front office and that coaching staff just saying look we're going to figure this out and we are going to win and that grit is showing on defense because they've got one of the best defenses in the league right now and again early in the season but they have made some really smart moves and I think if they can keep up this good chemistry they'll be a contender at the end of the season for sure I think that's great to see for Chicago too for a team that's you know in an area that's a huge market a team that's gone through so much as you said um, you know in between the Jordan Rose years and Rose to where we're at now my goodness, how 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 irrelevant um, at times that they have been, and it's been sad for the NBA. One of the more marquee franchises that mm-hmm. we have, so it's great to see when they're playing and performing well. And as of right now, the the three point win over the Raptors in Toronto, mind you, is the closest game that they've had so far. Um, and 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 that's you know, of course, we're only four games in, but they've already had two pretty big solid wins um, uh, against the uh, the Pelicans. Um, what is it, Pelicans and the uh, the Pistons as well? Fifteen point win over them, so. Uh, that wow! And just a great start for them. Very happy to see what they put together. I grant great point. Why did the Lakers get rid of Caruso? I do not understand that. I mean, it's a cheap resign, a very affordable resign, and, and then instead you say, "Oh, you know what? Let's bring Russell Westbrook in here." How could that possibly <laughs> hurt us? Well, and then going back to Bryson's point real quick, it's you know he he brought it up. Caruso, even if he's not going to get you twenty points, if he gets you twenty points, that's just an added on bonus to what mm-hmm. he already gives you in mm-hmm. terms of effort, in terms of heart, hustle. This guy will do anything you ask him to do. He'll run through a brick wall if you need him to, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. But also, so I just I literally just saw this on my Twitter feed. Zach Levine has a small ligament tear in the thumb of his non-shooting hand. So they said he is still going to play, and it's a matter of pain tolerance. I, I, I don't like that. Uh, yeah, that's like kind of that. tough, man. Yeah, that's, that's a t- tough way to start. I mean, four games in, uh, they're going to have – I'm pretty sure – I don't know who they have coming up next, but – I mean, that's I, – I, I don't – I. I don't like that they're going to play him because you look at LaMelo Ball when they played him with uh, the broken wrist or it was a broken hand last year. And, uh, I mean, they he obviously played longer than he should have and then he came back earlier than he should have. But the fact that it didn't seem to have much of an impact was extremely, extremely fortunate, especially him being a rookie and the, fr- the, the franchise guy moving forward. But with, with Levine... I feel like it's a much different team composition, and he's not as young as Lamelo is. So whatever damage they potentially, you know, incur by keeping him out there, 
is just going to hurt their chances of being a contender now, and they'll just be you know in mediocrity for as long as they have him if if, if they you know increase the the damage of this injury. I, I'm just looking right now. It's like how how long is a, a tendon repair in a non shooting hand? How long of a recovery time could that be? And what I'm seeing right now is it's up to in about 12 weeks if you have surgery on it, right? Mm. And that's, you know, that's give or take three months, right? It says it can take up to six months, but you did say it's partially torn. Is that correct? Yeah, partially torn. I think I, if it was fully torn, he wouldn't be playing. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, that, that's yeah. a good point, actually. But even still at partially torn, I think if I'm the Bulls right now, I'm going to play the safe game. I'm, I'm going to probably have him get something done to help that. I, you know, if you got to take, take eight to 12 weeks off, I know it sucks, but – you got to do what you got to do sometimes, especially looking at the long-term game. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I think this is a team that's going to be in the playoffs this year for sure. And I know, okay, so their next game is against the Knicks, which is another team which has surprised us. I know we were all talking about before we came in there. We can get into them a little bit as well. So I understand wanting him to play in that game, but at the end of the day, uh, I know you start you starting 4-0 and and you want to go 5-0, and 6-0, and whatever, but at the end of the day, no team is going to go 82-0. It's yeah. early in the season. I would much rather have him be 100% and play near the end of the season than worry about games now. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times these guys, you know, you have to remember as the organization that they're trying to argue, I'm good to play, I'm fine. Like Baker Mayfield, you know, dislocated his shoulder and tore a labrum, you know, and, and he's saying, yeah, I can play. And then uh, doctors are saying, yeah, four to six months is the earliest he'll be able to return. So athletes, they want to be out there. It's their livelihood, you know. This is their legacy. So understandably, they want to be out there. But you're again, like you guys have been saying, team like the Bulls, this is too big of an opportunity to squander by by tossing your guy out there when he's not a hundred percent. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting situation. But uh, another East team that we have just been loving is the Charlotte Hornets, and the definitely. Charlotte Hornets, big surprise there, three and one. Barely lost to the Celtics in overtime, 140 to 129. And the big surprise out of there is Miles Bridges. And Miles Bridges is one of those guys where he's all, when you watch him, you've seen that he has all the tools to be, you know, a 20 plus point per game scorer. But it's just about can he do that consistently? And so far, he won, he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week and deservedly so. He's averaging 25 points and eight and a half rebounds so far through their first four games. And if they can get that kind of production out of Miles Bridges, along with having like LaMelo Ball and, you know, Gordon Hayward, if Gordon Hayward can, I think he, he right now he's averaging 17. I think he can probably, he's probably going to average more than that by the end of the season. I think he's going to get better as long as he stays healthy. That's a scary team. That's not a team that I would want to see in the first round of the playoffs. Well, you, you look, they've already beaten two quality Eastern Conference teams, right? One that we uh, kind of expected more from to start off when we haven't talked about them yet, but but Brooklyn Nets, and then as well uh, as the Boston Celtics. And you had Jason Tatum, my, my guy, dropping 41 points. And yet the Hornets were still able to overcome that. They're still over to able, still able to overcome some of the other rosters that these other teams have that have proven themselves in the past, especially in, in the playoffs with a team like the Celtics, a team like the Nets, and what they were able to do last year. So that's a great start for them. Miles Bridges uh, making making probably the biggest – difference right now for the Hornets I believe um, you know you had a team last year that just kind of underwhelmed I think a lot of people wanted to see more from them but it was understandable kind of where they were at um, but now this is the evolution right this is the next step in the process for them to take 
and they're off to a great start. I, I'm very curious to see where they will be at just come All-Star break. Yeah, and, and we've only got LaMelo Ball at 29 minutes a game as well, you know, and he's already putting up 22-8. I, I think you, 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 you take that average up a little bit, and you're just going to see fireworks. I mean, 22 right now I think is definitely right around where he'll, he'll, he'll maybe finish the season at, but I would not be surprised if he was up where Miles is at right now at 25. Miles, I feel like, is probably going to average out around 21 to 23 on the season when it's all said and done. But Gordon Hayward, and, and maybe because I did this with DeMar DeRozan earlier, I don't think Gordon Hayward is going to be as big of a scoring threat as, as, as you said. I think 17 a game is good for him. I think he's going to be 16-5 to 17 a game. And now watch next week. He's averaging 25. <laughs> that's 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 the good luck of uh, me saying the player's not going to score. But uh, I just I don't see Gordon Hayward being able to contribute the same numbers he did when he's with the Jazz. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously Celtics, the entire time he was there, he's basically rehabbing. Uh, and it, then I, I just I don't think Hayward packs the same punch. It just seems like ever since that that devastating injury, like we've not had that same Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I, I, you guys, I'm sure you got y'all feel the same. But man, prior to that, he was a he was a force to be reckoned yeah. with. When he first came to Boston, everybody was like, "This is a championship team." That right was here. that was right. a that was a dominant it, roster. It yeah. was absolutely championship or bust, especially for for a franchise like the Boston Celtics, who mm-hmm. have proven themselves to to know what kind of what they're doing. Granted. Most of their championships were well before our time, but nevertheless, they've still been just as relevant. So um, I think Gordon Hayward can continue to make steps getting back to where he was. But I'm, as of right now, I am cautiously optimistic about that. I do tend to side a little bit more with, with Grant, but I think I think you can probably get about 18 to 21 with him per game at least. Um, and as he gets more comfortable, as he gets more uh, um, kind of in his groove when we go along, Maybe we can start to see some of those mid mid to upper twenty games, and then going on staying in the Eastern Conference for a little bit. The team that I've been most disappointed with so far is definitely going to be the Brooklyn Nets, and they also have the player that I've been most disappointed in, which is James Harden, because uh, I don't know, James Harden just hasn't looked like himself. He's only averaging seventeen points a game right now, and his player efficiency efficiency rating is only like a fifteen right now which when you look at it, Kevin Durant is at a 34. So Kevin Durant is twice as efficient as James Harden has been so far this season. It's one of those things where I don't know if it's because of the rule change, if he's not drawing fouls as much, if that's hurting him. I know his free throw, his free throws have been down a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but free th- yeah, free throws around the whole league have been down a lot, which is something I really like to see. But it's like yeah. – uh, I didn't think it was going to affect him as much as it has through the first. Now, like I said, it's the first four games of the season. So, of course, I'm not saying that James Harden is done. James Harden is washed up, and he's not going to get back to himself. But through the first week of the season, it's been really disappointing to see how he's played. I think, personally, I would attribute that mostly to the emergence of Patty Mills. uh, Because Patty Mills, oh, yeah, Patty going off 14-5 a game right now. It's incredible. And uh, he takes the ball, you know, out of Harden's hands a lot. And Harden... The last time he was really one of those catch and shoot guys was way back when he was with the Thunder. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, ever since then, he's been he's been the play initiator. He's been the guy that's got the ball in his hands for a lot of the game. And I think last year 
it took him a little bit to get into the season. Obviously, when he was with uh, Houston to start the year off, he was physically, you know, he's out of shape because he didn't want to be there. He was still, he was still playing hard on the court, but uh, he, he, he didn't have the diet or the workout regimen that he needed. Then he gets to Brooklyn and everything takes off. Then there's MVP talk, blah, 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 blah. But he has the ball in his hands because Kyrie's hurt, you know, so on and so forth. And then Patty Mills now comes in and he's inserted. He's getting the ball a lot. I don't know how... I, I, th- I think that if you have Kyrie Irving in there, obviously James Harden's going to do a lot better because Kyrie is Kyrie. He finds the open man and he's able to just control an offense like a like a like a conductor over an orchestra. But but Patty Mills, it's not to take away from him. It's just he's a very he's he's a scorer. He's not a guy that's going to be making crazy Steph Curry passes or you know making these open look. I just I think I think James Harden right now if you give him the ball more and you let him initiate those plays and you have Patty as the catch and shoot guy, you're going to see some better things, but I don't know, could be could just be Harden, you know, declining naturally with age. I so with Harden, you know, obviously you make a good point with Kyrie. Kyrie's in there un, un, undoubtedly Kyrie is going to be the best fit when it comes to um, who's who's running that Brooklyn offense, right? But you have a guy in, in Patty Mills who comes over from the Spurs, years and years with them, a couple championship appearances, ring obviously with them, and he he just has that grinding grit that you are used to seeing from from Popovich coach players. And what and I'm I'm telling you guys when I first I hated losing Patty Mills first and foremost, but when I saw that Brooklyn picked him up, I thought this is going to be dangerous and in a good way for Brooklyn because. Patty is a absolute facilitator. He's a big reason why DeMar DeRozan did actually take steps up in his game while he was in San Antonio. Again, uh, he's always been a good mid-range guy, but he was De- DeMar had a lot of that pressure taken off him that was really put on him especially in Toronto. Yes, he did have Kyle Lowry, but at those times he was still sort of the center point. He was still sort of the focal point of that of that team. And with a guy like Patty Mills, he's able to come in and Patty's not looking to score 25 30 points a game. Patty's looking to come in. He's looking to absolutely facilitate that offense as well as he ever could, and and he's doing a phenomenal job. And I've seen not just him, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. So happy to see him back on the basketball court after what happened uh, going back to last season. That's again another one of my guys. Uh, I've always been a huge Lamarcus Aldridge fan, going back to his Texas days, let alone uh, the Trailblazers. So, you know, very happy to see them. It is a, it is a disappointing start to begin with. But uh, I, I will say, let's uh, um, for anyone having speculation on where Brooklyn's going to end, pump the brakes just a little bit. It is a, it is a slow start. It's going to be a progression with them. We'll see how Steve Nash can really get that team going as it moves forward. And they have a lot of new players too. With I mean, of course, Aldridge was already on the team, but he's coming back and adding Patty Mills, adding Paul Millsap. It's probably going to take them a little bit of time to uh, kind of start to gel together. The same way I would say for the Lakers. But uh, I, I, I'm not worried about the Nets yet. It's only four games into the season. They're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, I hate to ask this question, but you said it's going to take them time to gel like it will with the Lakers. Who do you, As of right now, just looking at it, who, who do you trust to gel a little bit more and, and to look like the better competitor from a four-game stance? From a four-game stance, well, with the Lakers, LeBron was out last night mm-hmm. and Russell Westbrook looked great. So... I don't know if I if I'm if I can say the Lakers just because I haven't seen Russ have one of those games with LeBron on the court. I think I'm going to go with the Nets because with the Nets I've seen James Harden and KD carry the team together 
And Patty Mills, I just looked at it, is shooting 64% yeah. from three-point range right now. That's and it's like, yeah. Like, for through the first two games, he didn't miss a three-pointer. He was seven for seven on opening night. Like, it was insane. So, when you have guys like that coming off the bench, I think that their bench unit is probably a little bit better than the Lakers. And since the Lakers are still dealing with more injuries, I think the Nets are going to gel quicker. Now, when the Lakers, if the Lakers can figure it out, I think that they will have, they ha- they have a better starting lineup, I would say. I don't know if they have a better team overall, but I think if Russ, LeBron, and AD can figure it out, I think that they'll be, I think the Lakers will be fine. And that's what it comes down to is chemistry at the end of the day. And right now I'm completely with, uh, I mean, the Nets are it. I look at the, who's who's their number one? Kevin Durant. Who's the Lakers number one? LeBron. Who's having more issues with injuries lately? It's LeBron. And I'm a big LeBron fan. I hate to see that. I hate to say that. But Kevin is just, I mean, last season he was going with uh, in the conference finals against, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the Nets were injured. They were banged up. They were battered. And he was keeping them neck and neck with them until the very end. He put up pretty much a 50-piece right in that last game. 49, if I'm not mistaken. He was he was doing it all. He was stepping on the three point line, taking a long two. He was doing it all, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I think I think the Nets, <laughs> I think the I think the Nets definitely have a better opportunity moving forward because they already seem to have some chemistry there, and it's just you know what's going to happen with the whole Kyrie Irving situation, and also what's going to happen with. James Harden moving forward, he's going to get his feet under him. Is it still going to be a struggle? But regardless, they've got Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant's firing on all cylinders and healthy. Okay, and now kind of pivoting into the Western Conference, I'm not going to talk about who my most surprising player is yet because obviously it's John Morant for me. <laughs> uh, but for my team, well, I don't want to say this guy has surprised because he's a multi-time MVP, but... Green is in a torture chamber, and outside it goes Curry. Stephen Curry, averaging 29 points and eight rebounds through the first week of the season. Uh, I was expecting him to have a good year, but that game uh, last week where he started out and had he was nine out of nine in the first quarter, it was one of those games where it's like you can't do anything with Steph. On On nights like that, Steph Curry is the best player in the world, and it was shown that game, you know, he did kind of get slowed, slowed down a little bit. They put Terrence Mann on him, which I think that Terrence Mann slowing down Steph Curry whenever he had 25 in the first quarter and held, only held him to 20 through the rest of the game, <laughs> which only held him to 20 through the rest of the game. But I'm like, that's really impressive for Terrence Mann, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we saw some of that Terrence Mann going back to the Western Conference Finals, and, and what a guy that has stepped up for the Clippers, man, when they've needed it absolutely most, uh, especially with Kawhi's situation right now. So that was very, very impressive to see. But you know what? You go back to Curry. I mean, Bryson, I don't think you're wrong when you say when Curry is operating at, at full capacity, when he is on his game, I don't think anyone out there legit can stop Steph Curry. He He, he might just as well be – the best player in the world sometimes when he is firing on all cylinders. I mean, that, that, that guy, he's, he gets to points where he can't miss. And I heard I heard a funny uh, story the other day. You guys have probably heard this as well. But they've gotten to a point in Steph Curry's practice, right, with a lot of his shooting and whatnot where the trainer already knows, okay, this is Steph Curry. He's going he's gonna to knock down innumerable amount of threes, right? But basically what they've gotten to a point now is – if it's not a swish, if it hits any part of the rim, they count it as a miss. <laughs> like that, yeah, how, how ridiculous! <laughs> that that just shows you how great he is. Yeah, it's insane. No, so 
I think that Steph is probably one of the four or five guys where you can say if they're on their game on any given night, they can be the best player on the planet. And he's just – he's been insane. Uh Andrew Wiggins has also actually pray, played pretty well. He's averaging almost 17 points per game right now. I don't know. He's one of those guys he's always had, the same way with, like I said, with Miles Bridges, he's always had all the tools, and he'll have like one or two moves a game where you'll be like, oh, this was a number one mm-hmm. pick. And then we'll have he'll have a couple plays where he'll be like, how was he a number one pick, you know? Yeah. So it's for him, if he can be consistent, that'll be huge for them. Jordan Poole has been all right he hasn't been as good as he was in the preseason but you know he's he's been solid and I think that if they can keep up keep up what they're doing right now and then you add a healthy Clay Thompson to this team it's really scary it very much so is and I was going to ask real quick uh do you I mean as we I know we're early in the season right we got a way just to go before we get even get to midway and and all-star break trade deadline stuff I mean do you guys still feel like Andrew Wiggins is a permanent fixture on the on this Warriors team, or could you still see him as of right now the way he's playing? He's just increasing sort of his trade stock. I think. See, Andrew Wiggins is a hard one because, like you said, Bryson. I mean, this is a guy that shows flashes. He came into the league with all these great tools, and I think being with Minnesota that didn't do him any favors. You know, a lot of those top guys hadn't done go to anybody Minnesota. any favors to be no. honest. No, they, I just saw a clip yesterday. Zach Levine when he got drafted, he said, "F me." <laughs> <laughs> when he saw it was the Timberwolves and he picked his head up from the table like, man, all right. But, uh, you know, when, when Wiggins came into the league, you know, first year basically averaging what he, what he is right now, he was averaging 16-9 a game for that season. And then he just went up from there. It was a 20-point plus for pretty much the rest of his time in Minnesota. And I just thought, you know, gosh, this guy, if they just had some good coaching or they had a few more pieces around him. Or, and then they got Carl Anthony Towns and thought, okay, they're going to do great. They got D'Angelo Russell. They're going to do great. Nope. Nope. I I want to see him do well. I really, really, really want to see him succeed, but I think he's a great trading piece for Golden State, but at the same time, he also adds some good things to their team overall. His free throw shooting is getting better. It's still 72%, which isn't great, but it's better. And defensively, he can stretch a little bit. Uh, offensively, if he has a hot hand again, there are those moments where he's like, wow, this was a, this was a first overall pick, but I don't think you're looking for him to be a star if you're Golden State. You're wanting him to be a utility guy like they're using him as right now. Sort of a six-man-of-the-year kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think I think he fits the team really well. And if you trade him, I don't know what kind of value you're going to get for that. I feel like you'd get a younger or an older player. And uh, just just stick with what you have if you're Golden State. I think they've got a really good roster, really well-rounded. And this is I, I would I would not touch this roster if I were them for the rest of the season. Yeah, as of now, I want to say they need to touch. The, they need to mess with the roster at all. I don't think they need to trade Andrew Wiggins as of now. Uh, I think he's playing as well as they're going to need him to play for them mm-hmm. to really go to the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs. I don't. I still don't know if they can be real contenders. You know, with, but I don't think that's because of Andrew Wiggins. I just think that's because of. Uh, other teams in the West might be a little bit better than them, in my opinion, and maybe a little bit deeper than they are. Because, I mean, their bench is all right, but when you look at teams like I was watching the Jazz last night, and they can go like 10 deep with good players if they have to. And I just don't know if teams like the Warriors can do that. I will say that was a team I think we all slept on. When, mm-hmm. when we were all in here, you know, about a month ago, three, three four weeks ago, we were making our top four uh, kind of picks and whatnot. I think all of us sort of said Who's the Jazz. We nah, I, I don't remember you having. I put the them at three. I put well, not the, the well, the Jazz. Oh, I thought you were talking the Warriors. No, 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 no. So, okay. so the Warriors, I will say, I 
even myself, I probably did sleep on them a little bit. I don't think I had them top four, but I think I had them fringe four or five, right? Kind of mid 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 game right there. Um, but with the Jazz, I, I certainly didn't know what to expect with them coming into this season. As you just said, Bryson, we forget we forget how deep that this Jazz team really is. And, and as we see with any sport, any sport you watch and play, depth is absolutely key and crucial to making um, not just having good seasons – even great seasons, but to being in contention for championships, you have got to have depth, and that's exactly what the the Jazz at least checked that box. They checked the box of, of an All Star player in um, in Mitchell, of course, and then of course you still have Gobert. So it's like you know the Jazz are still a, a sneaky good team. I don't know where they're going to end up as of right now. We got a long way to go, uh, as we keep saying here. But as of, but looking at them right now. Jazz are, are are still a good team, and and they are they are still a force to be reckoned with in the West. They have five players averaging over fourteen points per game right now, which is like they don't have anybody who's averaging up to like twenty five or anything either. So I don't know when, it, but when pretty well rounded. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's, it's pr- pretty well rounded, and I think Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys who. By the end of the season, he's gonna he's not gonna he's only averaging twenty one a game right now. I think that's definitely gonna go up as the season goes on because you know we're only three games in, but that's the team I definitely have slept on the Jazz. I don't know if it's just because I'm still mad that they beat us last year, but uh, yeah, I don't you know. Take I did feelings out. Yeah, of like looking at it without any feelings, you know, as much as what it, like of course I love Mike Conley and I want him to do well, but I think the Jazz they they definitely could be. I think they're still going to be a top four team. They could be a top four team in the West. They might even snag the number one seed if other teams get injured and stuff too, again, like they did last year. But yeah. they've looked great so far. But we'll see. Like It's only been three games, so it's really hard to kind of – it's good. It's a good – we've had enough games to see where teams kind of are. But I think there's a lot of room for improvement in a lot of these teams that we've seen so far. So far, the consensus seems to be who's going to, uh, as it always is, who's going to stay the most healthy. Looking at teams that, like, if you said this team, if everyone in, in a perfect world stayed healthy, I'm not sure we would have the Jazz in the top four. But given what you just said, given we've talked about LeBron, the Lakers, how how they've already looked like that could be a problem this season. I don't know. I, I could see the Jazz sliding into a top two spot. See, out of pride, I'm just going to stay sleeping on the Jazz. Uh, and also looking at their Understandable. their three games that they played, they played Oklahoma City, they played Sacramento, and they played Denver. None of those three. Denver and Denver without Jokic in the second half. And that's, again, already without, you know, obviously Murray for the season. So, mm-hmm. so cautiously optimistic. You I, I would not even be cautiously optimistic. I would just say they played three garbage teams and <laughs> they won yeah, and uh, fair. that's fair assessment yeah. and the only game that was a blowout was Oklahoma City that one was 107 to 86 and then against Sacramento that one was surprisingly close 110 to 101 and then Denver 122 to 110 I mean it was you know two of those three were competitive and those are not great teams you so talking about the Thunder too I mean the Thunder couldn't even beat the Sixers right now and, and the Sixers for me are my most disappointing Eastern Conference team just uh uh, the way that they've started the year, man, it's uh, not not a terrible record, but my goodness, like I think we all expected a little bit more out of out of Philly. I expected way more. Yeah. I expected way more. I thought I thought that uh, that Joel Embiid was going to blow up against the Nets, and they had the lead for for a minute over the Nets, and the Nets storm back. You know, Kevin Durant has this flurry of of points, and they win the game. But I really thought Joel was just going to tear him up, and and he. I, 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 th- I think it's just, you know, Ben Simmons not being there. There's a little less 
attention. Uh, they're having to focus on another player so they can just put that even more on beat because they know this guy's going to be the one dominating the paint. They're not going to have somebody else running in here and trying to do that as well. But, I mean, even if you have Ben Simmons out there, again, it's just a caustic situation. And whether he's you know Ben Simmons of old or Ben Simmons from the playoffs missing layups and passing out, I... Uh, this this Sixers team is I'm I'm really sad to see how they're struggling right now. But again, they're only two and two. The season is young, and they have plenty of time to figure things out. But 19.3 points a game and 7.3 rebounds a game for Joel Embiid, not great to start. Yeah, and another thing about the Sixers, they're two and two, but their two wins are against the Pelicans and the Thunder. So I think that really shows you. Uh, where they are as a team it looks like they might be a middle of the pack team unless they can get unless Ben Simmons can come back and play the way that he has in the past but it's one of those things where I mean anytime that you beat I don't think beating the Pelicans or the Thunder this season is going to be a a a good win for a team like the 76ers like it's a it's a game those are games they're supposed to win but when you look at losing to the Knicks and the Nets those are the games you really need to look at and last night the Knicks broke a 15-game losing streak to the 76ers. Uh, I think they said that Ben Simmons Ben Simmons still has not lost to the Knicks in his career because he didn't play last night. But it's one of those things where that really shows you that they're kind of declining and the Knicks are getting much better. Yeah, and that's just another sad part about it because Ben Simmons, after his latest statement, I don't think he can ever play for the Sixers again because he said, I'm not mentally prepared to play basketball up to my standard right now. And to me, it's not, oh, I haven't practiced enough. It's, I'm not playing for the team <laughs> I want to be playing for. and um, Which is really weird. Yeah. Why come out with the whole thing last week and, and, and try to seem like you're trying to repair relations and then just to go right back to going to practice and not paying attention, not doing what coach is asking you to do, doing all the things that you know mm-hmm. are going to cause a distraction. He's getting fined $4.5 million a few days earlier hurt. <laughs> that's why he came back. Yep. That's why he came back. Sad, sad to say, but that's why. Yeah. You know, it's like, the golden rule is right if people won't listen to you you got to talk to their wallets because then they'll listen and that's exactly what it is man and and it's sad for ben simmons but i think out of just out of curiosity man to sort of shift it towards simmons a little bit i mean do what do we see happening with him what do do we think is going to happen are there any teams out there that we legit think can put together a solid trade package that would actually want to bring simmons on first and foremost and then secondly uh that have the players to put together a deal well there's there's one that comes immediately to mind and this was a story a few days ago but it's been back and forth whether or not there's any uh, uh credibility to it it's it's Kyrie for Ben Simmons you know two embattled wow. players and uh, the Nets there's a lot of conflicting stories out there as to whether they're listening to trade offers or not for Kyrie right now but as far as the law in the state of New York goes he cannot play basketball in any you know New York games so the Sean Marks law isn't allowing him to play at all either. Yeah. 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 And that's why I think maybe the, maybe the Sixers would consider that just because of the fact that Kyrie would be able to play all of their home games and he would only miss Mm -hmm. games in New York and California. And when your team isn't in New York or California, you can deal with that. If he only has to miss like three or four games, you can deal with that. Uh, I just, I don't know if they're going to trade Kyrie right now. I'm just not sure how, viable of an option that would be for them i don't know how viable trading either player is honestly they're both Mm -hmm. just too they're 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 too uh, you know ben simmons is caustic and then Kyrie's situation is just complicated i don't at all want to say that Kyrie's situation you know it's uh uh, you know 
personality stuff like what we're seeing with Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, Kyrie's doing what he feels is right for him. Uh, but but Ben Simmons, that's a, that I, I wouldn't want to add him on my team. If I was a general manager of any of the 30 teams in the league, I wouldn't want him on my roster right now. I would not touch him with a 10-foot pole. And, I, I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you know, you're just you're really between a rock and a hard place because you've got this guy eating up massive cap space and you can't do anything with him. No, absolutely not. It, it, that's tough. That's tough because you know I I saw Ben Simmons play here at Thompson Bowling when he was back when he was with LSU and you knew this guy was gonna be something special. Yeah. Right, yeah. like I don't know. I, I would certainly would not go as far as to like what some analysts have have said. Uh, and him being the second coming of a LeBron, I I definitely don't see that with Ben Simmons. But I think he he is such a uh, he can be such an underrated player at times that it's hard to really wrap your mind around this whole situation because you you know him with Philly that is actually a really solid fit. Mm. And if they could make it work in some form or fashion, losing Jimmy Butler a few seasons ago that definitely was not um, not a great thing for Philly. But I understand sometimes you know players. They have to get their checks when 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 they're when when that time comes for them. Good for Jimmy Butler. He made it to the NBA Finals without Philly. Congrats to him. Um, I do want to say, so one of these one of these trade options that has really intrigued me a little bit is apparently involves the Portland Trailblazers. So the Trailblazers, we all know, we, we were talking mm-hmm. about Damian Lillard before we started this, and you know, a guy that's just carried a franchise on his back. He deserves so much more than he's gotten in terms of help, in terms of a franchise that's proven it can lead and help him to try and actually get a championship. We've seen them, I think, go as far as they'll probably go with with Lillard in the Western Conference Finals, and unfortunately, they still couldn't still couldn't win a game. But you know, I, for him, so he, he just here here's the trade. So the Blazers would get Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey. And two first round picks, and the Sixers get Damian Lillard. What do y'all think about that? Ooh, I mean that's a that's a big that's definitely committing to the rebuild for the Trailblazers. Let me just get that well, out of the way. I think they have to. Yeah. I mean, what, what else yeah. are they vying for right now? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That, that would definitely that would take the Trailblazers would have to understand that they're ready to rebuild. I think that would be an amazing trade for the 76ers. Absolutely. Dream trade. Oh, my God. Yeah. You put Damian Lillard on the, on the Sixers, my With goodness. Joel Embiid? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Because, I mean, when you really think about it, they haven't had a star on that team that can really stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. And adding yeah. Damian Lillard, that's the one thing he's definitely going to do is stretch the floor. And, uh, yeah, I think last, last yesterday there was an interview with John Morant, and he called Damian Lillard a four-level scorer. Because, you know, most people say a three-level scorer, but he said he shoots from so far away that he's a four-level scorer yeah. because you got to add in that as soon as he crosses half court, he might shoot it. He's already yeah. in range, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like if you add a guy like that with a inside presence like Joel Embiid, that could be an unstoppable duo. Now, I don't know if the Trailblazers are ready to commit to the rebuild yet, but I think if we see further down the line, if they – if they're really bad around the trade deadline and the Ben Simmons situation is still where it is now, who knows what could happen? Because Ben Simmons, you add him to your team, yeah, it's going to be a rebuild, but at the same time, Ben Simmons is the kind of player that you're still going to get some quality wins. You're still going to get some really entertaining performances out of. And, I mean, the Trailblazers, it's really... I, I don't blame Damian Lillard for struggling at this 
point of the season. I think it's just you have a limited number of scoring options, and teams are preparing more for Damian Lillard than they are for C.J. McCollum, and they're saying, look, we need to shut him down you know, on all four of those levels. And they've so far successfully done that with the Clippers. Uh, that We had Paul George stepping up on him a lot of times and, 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 and you know, some, double, some combo guarding. And just, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on right there in Portland where Damian Lillard's not in a spot to succeed. Like you put, I think anybody, uh, I think you could, you could say Steph Curry is obviously someone that can stretch the floor. He doesn't have as much of an inside presence, obviously, as Damian Lillard. We saw him try to dunk in the first game of the season. Uh, but... <laughs> Damian Lillard, you put him on a team like the Warriors, he would be doing marvelously as well. It's not to discredit Steph Curry at all, but you put Curry on a team where he is the focal point and the only player, basically, no offense to CJ McCollum, uh, who's doing very well this season to start things off, and you're going to see his numbers go through the floor and probably a lot of games where he struggles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I like that you bring up McCollum too. One of the other trades, just, just to throw this out there, did still involve the Sixers and the Blazers, but it was actually... Uh, the Blazers, instead of receiving all those players from Philly, uh, basically, and, and then, of course, trading away Damian Lillard, it was Lillard and Simmons playing together on the Blazers. Which, wow. But it would involve trading McCollum, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I like that trade because for Portland, I'm just going to say this, just just to get my, my, my two cents into there. I don't see Portland being a contender this year. I think they, they could be a team that slips into the playoffs, but Portland has to really sit back and think, what do we want to do right now? Because we've got a guy in Damian Lillard who we're essentially wasting his career, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a la Trout with the Angels type type deal. And and you have a, a squad that's just not – I don't think they're a championship contender this year. So with a new coach with Chauncey Billups, why would you not want to start over and start with something fresh, something he can build up, he can get accustomed to, and he doesn't have to come in and have immediate pressures to try and get to the playoffs and do things like that. So I like the idea of the Blazers kind of starting from scratch. It's unfortunate for them. I know I know. He Damian loves being in that town, man, absolutely does. He has really adopted it. But I think it's time that he he finds a new home. He finds a home that can help him try and get to the finals and, and vice versa. He helps them get there as well. Yeah, and, and Ben Simmons is one of those guys that can he can handle the ball so well that even if you lose that big three point scoring from CJ McCollum, I think the distribution that Ben Simmons gives out I think that adds a really interesting element to this Trailblazers team that's always been unconventional on how they get their points. It's never just a simple, oh, we're going to do this and you know get a two, get some two point or get three point, blah 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 blah. It's been it's been a hard process every game for them to just grit and grind and get those wins. Uh, ever since Damian Lillard has been there, it's never been oh, this game is a for sure for the Portland Trailblazers. They're always an underdog. It's a small market team. They're always having to fight hard. And I think you add Ben Simmons in there, he's got a big physical. Presence and he can move the ball really well, and I think that's something that's a great combination, especially with Nurkic down there in the paint already, and a cerebral player there as well. And you have them moving the ball, both being big men. And I think I think you have a team that's pretty interesting. If they make it as a seven or eight, definitely a playing team, but they're not full rebuild, you know. So it keeps them from being that. I think. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And kind of moving on, the Trailblazers do have a good game tonight against my Memphis Grizzlies. And first, I have a message for the entire NBA. Y'all be safe. You know 12 out here. (laughs) You know 12 out here. 12 is, in fact, out here, and he is coming for your team. John Morant is averaging 35 points and 8 assists so far through the season. Uh, I saw this 
Grizzlies PR put this out. He is the youngest player to average 35 points per game since Shaq did it when he was 21, and he was averaging 38 a game through the first three games of the season. Wow. And, and Jaw is what, 22? Yeah, Jaw is 22. And anytime when you're getting compared to who I think is probably the most dominant player of all time, yeah. Drew a stretch, that's incredible. Uh, Another thing about this Grizzlies team that has really surprised me has been the emergence of Desmond Bain this year. He's averaging almost 20 a game. And then Steven Adams has been really good. This is, I think I, I put this on Twitter the other day, and it said, Steven Adams is not better than Jonas Valanciunas, I don't think, but I think he might be better for the development of the Grizzlies and John Morant and especially Jaron Jackson Jr. Because it's one of those things where he's – you don't have to give him the ball in order for him to be effective. So those post-ups that we that we were giving to Jonas can now go to Jaron, and Jaron can get the ball, and Jaron can try to pick up the scoring. Uh, he's still going to be a good offensive rebounder, and he's also averaging almost five assists per game so far through the first three games. So I don't think that he is better than Jonas. Jonas is playing pretty well for the Pelicans so far, but I think that his skill set is perfect for what the Grizzlies need at this stage of the of their careers and the main thing about that I'll say about John Morant is he had an interview on NBA Today yesterday and he said that he has realized that when he is aggressive the Grizzlies are just a better team and this is something that I've noticed like throughout his first two seasons there's a lot of times where he tries to take a step back because you know he's he he likes to be he likes to call himself a pass first point guard, right? He wants to get assists, he wants to get guys involved. But I think going back to the playing and going to the playoffs last year, he realized like if I'm aggressive, I can I can still be aggressive and get other people involved, and that will make the team better overall. I think he's realizing that him being aggressive is what is actually helping his teammates, right? Because a pe- as as a teammate, you want to see one. Of, one of your star players, let's be honest, from Memphis, the star player, you want to see him performing at his absolute best, top-notch, because you know everyone on that roster knows when he's playing his best, that's when the Grizzlies are the most uh, – are at their are at their best, I should say. And that's, that's just very simple. And I think when you add in someone like Steven Adams, I'm going to echo sentiments of Spurs Nation here, but, like, that's a guy that we've always admired and loved because mm-hmm. – Going against him in, against the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals, the couple times we did, he is a spur killer, and not just that. Stephen Adams, is, he just he is a guy that will do the absolute most for you, and will require the absolute least out of you. And I, I just say that because he is such a selfless player. He is a great uh, teammate to have in the locker room. From everything I've read from anyone that's played with him, Stephen Adams is a solid pickup for the Grizzlies to have gotten him. My goodness, that's. That's going to help them so much compared to what we've seen in the past couple of years. And I think going to your point, Bryson, Jaw has got to keep his foot on the pedal because that is when his teammates will start to also pick up some steam, right? I think it's 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 a feel good moment when you see your guy playing well. You're like, okay, all right, yeah, let me get let me get my points in here, right? Like, let me help him out. He find me on the open on the open corner here, or you know, I drive the ball, kick it out, whatever. And I love that Jaw's a first, uh, pass first guy. Reminds me so much of like a Tony Parker, but he's got so much more game to him than than even Tony had. The way he's able to drive his finish, we saw that crazy finish at the oh, rim the other yeah, day, the Lakers game. That's, oh my god, that was man. incredible. He no. starts adding that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. When when he put that up, I was like, what? And then when it went in, I was like, I 
Like it, I had to just like stop for a second because you know, as a guy who's watched the Grizzlies, you know we've had Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol, Zach Randolph, right? And they were great players, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but I don't think we've ever had anybody with just this much just raw talent on the team. Because you're looking at him at 22 years old, and he's already doing all this, and he has even more that he can add to his game with, like, his shooting has gotten better, which that was what really surprised me in the Lakers game, too. He hit five three-pointers, which is the same way going back to the playing game last year where he hit five three-pointers. And it's like if he can just consistently hit, even if it's only, like, 36 37% from three, if he can just consistently hit that with how quick he is, it's going to be scary. Because yeah, it's how, like how do you stop him? At you can't, that point? yeah, you <laughs> can't stop him at that point because it's like if you give him space, he'll hit it. But if you come up on him, oh, he's now he's by you. And also, I want to say a prayer for Kent Bazemore. I know they won the game, but Kent Bazemore was getting cooked by John Moran. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my goodness! And he, no, like, and you know, I know he got cooked because even Kent Bazemore came on Twitter after the game and said, "Yeah, he got me a couple times." Because he did. Yeah, he's honest. That's what I love about Kent Bazemore when he was with the uh, the Hawks. I mean, you know, there was a little bit where he went off and he got that big contract from him, but he's always honest. Somebody burns him, he's like, "Yeah, they got me." They got me, and and John Morant is just he's he's a monster. I mean, he's dropping he's dropping all these three pointers. But here's the thing: he's shooting forty four percent. That's incredible. That kind of precision from three point, and you're averaging thirty five a game. I mean, look, we've seen we saw Kobe average numbers like this, but it was you know the percentages were not great. You know, his last game mm-hmm. he dropped sixty, but he took fifty shots. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think you have to take that game with a grain of salt, right? Like no, it's, it's, it's old Kobe. It's the end of the yeah, end you of know, the career. Everybody yeah. knows. Like, come on, if you're on the floor yeah. wearing purple and gold in that last game, you got to pass it to Kobe. No, absolutely, oh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. But you rarely see players. Yeah. With this kind of efficiency and that level of scoring, the only other guy I can really think of, the only other, the only two other people I can think of are Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Yeah. Those are the only other guys in NBA history I can think of with that kind of efficiency and that volume of scoring. I just I want to touch on what Bryson brought up earlier, but you you mentioned how he's at uh, youngest to average that amount of points a game since since Shaq, right? And yes, we're only four games in, but you know, and we all know it, but. That just speaks so much volumes to to the way the game is today. Because Shaq versus Jaw, I mean, night and day, right? I yeah. mean, a huge monstrous figure that Shaq was, and just how dominant in the paint that he mm-hmm. was. I saw him destroy teams for years, and then you got Jaw Morant. He's a completely different style of player. I mean, and 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 not even just compared to Shaq, compared to many point guards we see. Yeah, uh, I think. Dame is one of those guys that can also drive really well. He loves to score. He can score. He can finish as well as he can score outside. Steph, at times, I think, is just primarily a, a better outside shooter, though he can get to the rim himself. He's got and also, floater. Yeah. He does. He does. He's very much got a floater, um, and, and I like to see that. Jaw, though, I just Jaw has proven himself time and time again that he, he is a different animal, that you're going to have to figure out how to stop him. And that's only if you really you, you're not going to stop him. You're only going to contain him for for so long. But uh, you know, there's a lot of hope right there with the Grizzlies in trying to get at least a four spot, if, if not even a little bit higher. Yeah. But I think right now, right now, you'd be hard pressed to convince me the Grizzlies are not a contending team for the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, 
My goal going into the season was I wanted us to make the playoffs without having to go to the play-in. So I was thinking maybe even if we're the five or six seed, I would see that as a success. Yeah. And I was like, I think John Morant should make all be an all-star. After what I've seen the first three games, I am upping it. I want John. I want my goal for John Morant is all NBA at this point. Yeah. Because I think that. He's shown that he has the ability to. And then you have guys like Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony called John Morant the future of the NBA after that game. And, I mean, Carmelo did also have an amazing game and moved up to, I think, ninth on the all-time scoring list. So when you have a guy who is a top-10 scorer in NBA history calling a guy for my team the future of the NBA, that was one of those things where it was just like I just had to take a second and just – just take a breath because I was like, even because it's, it's just because we've never had a guy like this. Yeah, like, that's a new feeling for, for yeah, Grizzlies like, fans. Man. Like, <laughs> we've <laughs> never had a guy like this where it's like, because I, I, I see people that have like Twitter accounts dedicated to John Morant. Right. And it's like there was there was no Mike Conley Twitter accounts back in the day. You know, we never had a guy that like got out of Memphis to be like a real star. And like finally we got one and i know it's early this not, might be a hot take but i think that the grizzlies won the 2019 draft lottery by getting john morant i agree i yeah. mean from right now <laughs> we're thinking i agree yeah 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 it's good to see for the grizzlies man i think they'll they'll control a lot of the southwest division this year they'll be in contention with 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 dallas um there could be some back and forth going on there obviously uh spurs rockets pelicans you know they're they're going to be unfortunately towards the bottom tier there. Uh, you know, and for the Pelicans, I just especially we just mentioned in Zion, um, that that is a, uh, looking like a bad situation right now. Um, I don't know what Zion has got to do to to up his game to up uh, to get the Pelicans into some some better form of contention. But I think undoubtedly right now the Grizzlies and the Mavs uh, control that Southwest division. For the Grizzlies, it's simple. It's a step-by-step process. You win your games. You win your division, especially when you're playing Dallas, when you're playing Houston, when you're playing San Antonio. You win those games, and then you see what you can do from the playoffs from there. Yeah. right? Then you start to see, can we contend with, with, with the Lakers? Can we contend with the Clippers? Some of these other guys that we know are going to be there at the end of the year. So uh, it's not a far far gone uh, – it's, it's not a far-fetched um, assessment to say, I think that they could be in the Western Conference Finals this year. I mean, yeah, especially if – because if you're looking at a seven-game series, I think if you have John Morant in a seven-game series and he's he's already shown that in a three-game stretch he can average 35 and eight. So, I mean, that's something. If he's doing stuff like that in a series, then – If he could know, even average 25 in a series, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's still, scary. Yes, very, very, very – works because, out really well uh, for the Grizzlies. Jaron is still he, – he's still just getting back from his injury, I feel like. But – You've he's also shown flashes of being the guy that we know he can be, and that's why he got that contract extension. And that was a discount contract relative to what he could have gotten as well. Oh, yeah, because then you look at a guy like what Michael Porter Jr. got, which I would say, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has been healthier than Jaron through his first couple years, which was really which has really surprised me because that was his thing coming out of college was mm-hmm. that he hasn't really been healthy. And, you know, I think he's averaged more points. So he I wasn't guess it, healthy in college. Either. Oh, yeah, he <laughs> wasn't. No, that's what I'm saying. He wasn't healthy in college, but he's, yeah. been, he's been healthy in the NBA, yeah, which is, yeah, which has really surprised me. But yeah. then looking forward, you know, I'm just going to look look through these next this next week of games tonight the game i'm looking forward to of course 
Grizzlies Trailblazers. I already talked about that a little bit. But Nets and Heat. That game is going to be tonight at 7.30. I think that's a huge game for the Eastern Conference. This is kind of a measuring stick game for the Heat. Because, I mean, the Heat have gotten off, you know, they've gotten off to a good stop. They're 2-1, they're and one, you know, nothing crazy. But this is a measuring stick game. This is a game where you're going against a team who uh, everybody is saying should come out of the East. Let's see how good you are. I mean, obviously the Nets still don't have Kyrie, but still, this is a game where the Heat can make a statement. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to ask, I know we're running out of time here, but uh, for the Heat, you know, just in general, I do still see them as a contender yeah. in the East. I, I don't think – I'm not falling off of Miami for any any one second. They still got JB down there, J, Jimmy Bucket. So that's that's the guy. That's the guy, and I think – He's going to help Miami in in terms of trying to stay in contention, and and even more so than that. Um, shifting to Thursday night, I've got two games I'm really interested in seeing. Uh, one does involve your Grizzlies, there, Bryson. Uh, it's Grizzlies Warriors. That'll be out there in 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 uh, the Bay Area. That'll be a very interesting game of of two top contending uh, Western Conference teams right now. Oh yeah, that's definitely going to be an interesting game. Uh, Tough schedule for the Grizzlies to start. Oh, don't even don't even start with me, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know you know a little bit too, but it's like because I mean we started with the Cavs. I'm okay with that, but then a back to back with the Clippers and the Lakers, and now a back to back with the Blazers and the Warriors. I will give you that. That is yeah. a somewhat of a tough start. Yes. Yeah, and they're is. all all on the road too. Uh, you know, for 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 my guys, obviously we we've already had to play the Lakers, the defending champion Bucks. Um, and I'm I'm still sleeping on another team. We got the Mavericks coming up Thursday night. Like, it has been an absolute rough start for the Spurs in terms of the teams that they've had to play. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I still have confidence my guys can at least make a decent season out of this. Um, shifting to the East real quick. Game I got on Thursday night. We talked about two of the best in the West. We got two of the best in the East. Matter of fact, the two best in the East in the Knicks traveling to Chicago to take on the 4-0 Bulls. What 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 do we what do we think is going to come out of that game? Ah, see, I don't know. Just because of how great the Bulls have looked, I think that the Bulls take this game. But I am interested to see how Zach Levine will respond after hearing that he has a partially torn ligament in his hand. Yeah, I mean it's it's offhand, so hopefully it won't expect, affect his shooting as much. But maybe you know. If he has to go left and finish with his left, I don't know. That could affect him a little bit. Yeah. But I think overall the Bulls have a better team. But this is a game that could go either way, especially when you look at the Knicks with Julius Randle and, you know, R.J. Barrett, especially on defense. And then Evan Fournier, which is another guy. I didn't say he was my most surprising just because of Miles Bridges. But especially in that double overtime game, mm-hmm. he was hitting clutch buckets. And they weren't they were tough buckets, too. It wasn't like he was hitting all layups. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what comes out of that game. I'm giving it to the Knicks personally. I think Julius Randle, after that abysmal playoffs, is on a revenge tour right now. He's just saying, look, during the regular season last year, I showed up. I finally got the credit and recognition I deserved. Playoffs didn't go well, but here I am. I'm back. I think I think this is going to be a statement game from Julius. He already had a great game earlier this season. I, I, I think he's going to come through and, and really put up some points on the Bulls uh, and, and challenge that defense but the game that i'm really excited for it's a, it's a thursday game it's the wizards taking on the hawks two interesting young teams right there the wizards also kyle kuzma 14 a game with 13 rebounds 
I'm shocked. Like I mean, who's man stepping up? Where did the rebounds come from? I I did not know <laughs> yeah. he had this in his repertoire. Well, he, he didn't have LeBron out there in his way to, to, I, to block some of those. I sports. guess not. <laughs> I guess not. The, yeah, LeBron. If you don't have LeBron and AD getting all the rebounds, maybe you open it up. But yeah, 13 yeah, rebounds sure. a game. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to keep that up no, the whole season. No, no. Because yeah. if he did, that would be <laughs> that would Crazy. be kind of incredible. <laughs> One of the more yeah. shocking things that will happen this year. Yeah. But yeah, no. But the Wizards. I don't know the Wizards. Really They're an good interesting team, team. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, you have Bradley Beal as, like, the superstar, but you have a pretty good core of guys around him. He's got a good cast. Beal's yeah. not even scoring that much this season. He's averaging 21 a game. He's only played in two two games, you yeah, know, exactly. out of three. And, I mean, this, again, just great team ball. And this is what the Wizards have been missing, you know, during those years where they were, uh, I, you know, I would say in contention, most people would probably say, you know, in the playoffs, um, they they had good team ball. You know, they had uh, they had Bradley Beal and, of course, prime John Wall. But they had a lot of good other players. They had Marcin Gortat. They had some good players come off the bench. They had Paul Pierce for a year. And now they're just really well-rounded. And we've gone from being a team that was very front-loaded with uh, Russ and Bradley Beal uh, to a group that just everybody can do a little bit of everything. And it's really exciting for me as a Wizards fan to see us, you know, not sucking. <laughs> yeah. well, I Honestly, I think that's going to be a very interesting game. I would probably... I'm going to put my money down right now. It says the Hawks will probably take that one. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, much to your sugar in there. But I will say I'm kind of with you on the Knicks and Bulls game. I think the Bulls probably going to suffer their first L of the year. Uh, and that's, that's, more, that's more of a testament to right now kind of how I feel about the Knicks versus the Bulls. Very happy to see Chicago uh, back playing well so far. But I think the Knicks are, are going to come in tomorrow knowing that this is a big early season matchup, and I think they're going to want to have a lot to prove and a lot to say. Yeah, maybe if it was in if it was in Madison Square Garden, I would probably pick the Knicks. But just because they're playing in Chicago, I think I'm going to go with the Bulls still. But I would not be surprised if the Knicks won that game either. But the before we kind of wrap up here, Saturday, I'm looking at the games on Saturday. Saturday, I think is going to be probably the best slate of games we've had so far. Oh, great! My Spurs playing the Bucks again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that'll be awesome. But we've got Heat Grizzlies. Celtics Wizards, uh, Hawks and 76ers, Jazz and Bulls, and also, uh, well, th- those are most of the good games. You know, Nuggets, Timberwolves could be interesting, you know, just because we don't know about Jokic. I think he'll be fine. I know they said that it's just a knee contusion, and he wanted to play in the second half, but Mike Malone was like, no, come on now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, nah, come on, let's let's get some MRIs and make sure that there's nothing wrong, you know, uh, even though what, we think it's just a bruise. After but. what you went through last season with, with Jamal Murray, there's no no way you take a chance. No way. But, yeah, no, uh, just a lot of good games, you know. Uh, 76ers, Hawks, that'll be interesting. Uh, I think I'll take the Hawks in that one. Yeah, same just, yeah, just because the 76ers haven't looked good. But it's one of those games where that could be a bounce-back game for the 76ers, you know? Who knows what can happen. Well, and especially because they got put out by the Hawks last year. Yeah, right? so that's like, what I'm yeah. – They're going to have that extra little motivation to them. I could see Joel going off in that game. Mm-hmm. If, I wouldn't be surprised either. If the roster stays where it is right now for the Sixers and they can't unload Ben Simmons, I'm thinking they're going to go 39-43. and 43. Really? Okay. So you, you, you have Sixers under 500 then. Okay. Yeah, if they can't unload Ben Simmons – Thirty nine and forty three. What if what if Ben Simmons plays instead of? I don't see him much above five hundred if they do. If they do okay. go above it, okay. I will say I, I would have him at at least a, uh, at least a seventy percent win percentage if if Simmons comes back. 
I'm going to say close 65 to 70%. Um, I think they could win in around 50, 50 to 55 games, but that's that's really tough to say. That's if they have good chemistry. That's if yeah. they have, that, That's only if I, – and I'm, I will – I say that not believing that Simmons will be in Philly by the end of the, end of the season. But, yeah, guys, another great week of the Fast Break Podcast. For Chris Clark and Grant Mitchell, I am Bryson Wright. And we'll see you again next week.